What's up, 11.30? How you guys doing this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us today. As uh, you know, and you, you, you brave the storm that's happening right now. It's a little bit of rain. We're so thankful for that, that you come out here and be a part of church today. Uh, as you just saw, t- this weekend is the second weekend of our Connect Group weekend where you can get involved and do life together. We believe that something that's really important to your spiritual journey is who you're doing life with. And so every semester, we do this three times a year, we, we offer a whole bunch of connect groups for you to jump in and do life with some other people. I would encourage you as your pastor that this is something that is vital and crucial to your faith. And so I want to encourage you to go find a connect group, get involved, and see what God will do in your life because it will be amazing. It will change you forever. Uh, I believe that if you just do Sunday morning, you're missing out the best part of this life that God created. And that's for us to do it together and grow in our relationship with God. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Also, starting next weekend. Everybody say next weekend. Next weekend. That wasn't everybody. Let's try this again. Say next weekend. Next weekend, we begin our fifth weekend service. We're actually adding a second Saturday night service because of, of how, come on, you guys can do better than that. I mean, we keep filling this place up for service after service after service. And so, uh, you know, we, we have to continue to add services. And so we're adding a second Saturday night service. So we're going to have a 430 and a 615. And listen, I will bribe you to leave this service and come to Saturday night. And here's how I'll do that is every Saturday night, I will bribe you with some pizza and ice cream after service. And so, like, listen, if you got kids, you got family, it's a free meal, and you get to go to church. I mean, it's like double bonus right there. So I encourage you, pick one of those services, come out, uh, get involved, and be a part of what's happening here at Coastal. Also, with that, we have a lot of announcements today. I'm just sorry about this. This isn't normally like us. But uh, coming up in three weeks, we have our 10-year anniversary service. And... uh, and so every, and so every anniversary, we 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 give away some things. We we throw a big party. We believe in partying. Uh, we believe in having a good time. We believe in celebrating. And so at this time, in next next uh, in three weeks. On September 21st and 22nd is our 10-year anniversary, so it's free T-shirt Sunday. So this is the weekend. People ask me all the time, how do I get an I Love My Church T-shirt? The only time you can get one is at this weekend service. So, like, you're not going to be able to buy it on StockX the week after. Like, it's unavailable. It's exclusive release Sunday, so you got to be here. So don't show up and go like, oh, my husband couldn't be here. Well, he can't have a T-shirt, okay? We're generous. We're just not that generous, okay? Um, So anyways, it'll be a great time. We're going to have after party after every service. We want you to come be a part of that. And finally, uh, something really cool happened for us as a church this past week. Um, Because you guys have been so faithful in inviting your friends and family, because those of you that give at Coastal, man, have been so faithful in your generosity. For those of you that serve on our dream team that make the weekends happen every single week and serve in different areas, um, Outreach Magazine, which is one of the largest Christian publications, comes out with a list every year of the top 100 uh, largest churches, top fastest growing churches. And this year, uh, we were number six fastest growing church in America and uh, and so that's a that's a big honor for you guys like God is up to something here and all of this was done back in January and since January we've grown like 500 more people so like so like God is up to something here in this church so I want you I want you to understand like if you're a part of this church 
and you give here and you serve here, you're making a huge difference. Like you're making a kingdom impact. And listen, if you're not involved yet, you need to get involved because God is doing something here. God is up to something. And here's what I know about every single one of us. Every single one of us want to make a difference with our lives. Is there anybody in here that's like, man, I don't want to make a difference? Okay. That, I, I, if you were going to raise your hand there, you really don't want to make a difference. So, like everybody wants to make a difference. And here's what I know. You don't make a difference by yourself. You make a difference together. And we partner together. We make a huge difference. We've seen over 500 salvations this year. We've seen tons of people baptized. We're going to have more water baptisms this month and next month. We're going to see more people water baptized. Be a part of what God is doing here. Take out that card that's in the seat back pocket in front of you that says get connected. Fill it out. Pick an area to get involved in and be a part of the dream, that is, the dream team that is making this dream called Coastal Community Church happen. I want to encourage you to be a part of it. Don't sit back on the sidelines when God has called you to play in the game. Don't think somebody else can do that. No, no, no. God has gifted you and he's, he's given you unique skill sets that this team needs in order to reach the potential that God has within our church. And so I want to encourage you. Come be a part of it. And, and listen, like, like, let's do even better next year. I believe we can. So I, I just want to, I, I want to celebrate you. Thank you. Thank you. Th on behalf of myself and our staff, we didn't do this. You did this. You did this. So give yourselves a hand. And that's all we're going to say about that. Okay. <laughs> we began this series called What Are You Waiting For? two weeks ago. And we've been saying throughout this series that we're, we're talking about this, this subject of fear. We're talking about this idea that in life, man, there are things that every single one of us are facing that are a little uneasy, a little fearful in our lives. There's some things that we need to push past in life if we're going to fulfill the potential within our life. And it was really interesting. I actually said this a couple of weeks ago, but Jesus in the New Testament, the four gospels, he said one particular statement more than any other statement. In fact, he said it 15 times. He said it 21 overall in some different ways, but 15 times he said this same statement and it's do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. And Jesus said this over and over and over again. And I think the reason Jesus continually addressed this subject more than almost any other subject that's out there, not saying that the amount equals importance, but what it does say is that Jesus realized that fears would be something we would all face. Fears would be something that every single one of us would deal with. And he's saying, hey, listen, I want to teach you how to be able to deal with your fears. And the reality is, is none of us are ever going to be able to eradicate fear out of our life. If the goal in life is to be fearless, there is no such thing. It's not even scriptural to be completely fearless. Because we've said all along, the goal in life is not how do I fear less. The goal, though, is how do I trust God more? That's the goal of what we are after as a faith community here. It's what we are after here is that we would trust God more. And so what that means is that if you're facing some anxiety and some fear in life, the reality is, is you don't really have a fear problem in that moment. What you have is you have a faith problem. And so the goal here is that we would grow our faith, we would grow our trust, and we'd be able to look at God no matter what he asks or what he says and go, God, I am all in with whatever you're asking. And so we've been asking this question, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for in that thing that God is calling you to? And we want to continue to challenge you 
to push past your fear. And so we're going to be looking at a story in Matthew chapter 14 today. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on your seat. There's, a, there's an outline that's there. You can follow along on the screen. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14. It's one of the most incredible stories in the New Testament, one of the, some of the coolest miracles that Jesus does right here in Matthew chapter 14. Let me give you some context for what is happening, and, and we'll dive into the scripture starting in verse 22. But here's what's happening is Jesus has been preaching a message up on the, the side of this mountain, and uh, the, the Bible actually says 5,000 men had gathered there to listen. Uh, scholars speculate there's somewhere between... 20 and 25,000 people in total, 5,000 men, women, children, included 20 to 25,000 people. So tons of people that are there. Jesus is healing people. He's setting people free from demonic oppression. Deaf ears are hearing, blind eyes are seeing. He's breaking down scripture like they never heard it before. They're just blown away. And at the end of the day, he realizes people are hungry and he says, hey guys, let's feed these guys. And they're like, man, we don't have anything to give them. And because they had this fear, uh, and he goes, well, what do you have? And they said, we have five loaves and two fish. He says, give me that. He blesses it. He breaks it. He says, go feed the people. They end up feeding all 20 to 25,000 people, and they have leftovers. Amazing, amazing thing. And at this point, the people are blown away. In fact, in John, it actually says, it doesn't say this in Matthew, but in John, it says that they looked around and they said, man, we should make him king. And so Jesus realized that all these people are like, man, we need to make him king because if he can do this with five loaves and two fish, and if he can heal people and set people free, imagine what he could do with an army, man. He could take us from the Roman rule. And so they're like, let's make Jesus king. Let's, you know, there's a chant going on. I don't know that. That's conjecture, but that's my opinion. And so right in the middle of that, starting in verse 22, like Jesus kind of takes over. And, uh, and the disciples, I'm sure that they were going like, man, like we like this idea because if they make Jesus king, we're his boys. He's going to make us like maybe part of his court or something. So like we're going to have power. We're going to have authority. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. So they're in the middle of this, this moment where momentum is on Jesus' side. Everybody's in love with him. And you would think that Jesus would ride that momentum, but he says, hey, 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 we're going to stop this right here. Because what they want to do and what God has called me to do are totally different. What they want me to do is they want to establish me as a king here on earth, but I've come to establish a different kingdom. And disciples, I know you like the idea of glory and power, but that's not what I'm after. I need you to get on the boat. I need you to trust me in this situation. I need you to be obedient to my voice, even though it doesn't make sense right now. Continues on. And go on ahead to, of, of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was literally, was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Some other versions say the disciples were in trouble away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. In other words, what it says is, man, Hurricane Dorian had rolled up. And, and they're fighting. They're like fighting 150 mile an hour winds. Waves are crashing in. And these aren't like just average guys. These guys were mostly fishermen. Like they knew what it was like to be out on the water. They knew what it was like to be in the middle of a storm. And it says that they were terrified in this moment in this storm. It says shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
When the disciples saw him walking along, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. So not only are they afraid of the storm, but now they're seeing, they're seeing, I see dead people. Yeah, they're like freaking out. They think they're seeing a ghost. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Here's that phrase, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now think about this. Peter is sitting on the edge of the boat. He's probably freaking out, terrorized. He's like, I see a ghost. Jesus says it's him, so I'm going to call him on his bluff. Hey, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come out to you. And Jesus is like, all right. Come, he says. And Peter's like, dang it, call my bluff. You know, it's like, now i got to go follow him. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Now, like, I want you to just stop for a moment and realize how amazing that is. Because we read this and we just go, oh, he walked on water. And we just, like, overlook it. But how many of you guys have walked on water lately? Yeah, there's none, right? How many of you have ever walked on water? There's two people in the back lying. (laughs) Now they're ashamed. But the reality is, is none of us have ever walked on water. So let's just take a moment and go like, for real? Like, he steps out of the boat. We don't know how far he walked. But for the first time and the only time in history, a man walks on water. It says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And said, you of little faith, which is how the majority of us read this. And I think that that is the wrong way to describe how Jesus probably addressed Peter in this story. A lot of us think that God is like mad at us. And so when we read things that he says, we we portray him in this angry voice. But I don't think God was mad at Peter right here. I think God was compassionate with Peter. And he was so hopeful that he was going to, he's like, oh, man. Peter, why did you doubt? Dude, I got you. And when they climbed in the boat, I love this. Because from the moment Peter sinks, Jesus has got his hand. And he lifts him out and he takes him all the way back to safety and is with him. It says, and the wind died down and those who were in the boat worshiped saying, truly you are the son of God. They're like, listen, if we didn't believe he was legit before, like he's legit now. Like like feeding 20,000 people, healing people, walking on water did it for us. You know, it's like, it's like they, they required a lot. And what I want to talk to you today is I want, to, I want to talk a little bit different than how I normally talk. But I, I want to talk to you about five observations that I believe that are very, very important for us in our faith journey when it comes to this subject of fear that this story teaches us. Number one, if you're taking notes, anything God leads you to do will initially involve some level of fear. Anything God leads you to do will initially involve some level of fear. So let me ask you a question. Who asked the disciples to get into the boat and go out into the middle of the storm? Okay, like six of you. Listen, I'm going to give you a heads up here. 
Anytime a question is asked in church, like 99% of the time, the answer is going to be Jesus. And so, like, just go with the percentages. And so, if the pastor asks a question, like, hey, what's up? It's like, and you, Jesus, you're like, you're the good chance you're going to be right in some level and degree. And so, let's try this again. Who asked the disciples to get into the boat and go out into the middle of the storm? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> you guys got it right. You guys are a sharp group. 9 a.m., they couldn't figure it out, even after I told them the answer. Don't tell 9 a.m. that, okay? Jesus sends them out in the boat into the middle of a storm. Now, I'm sure as soon as that storm started going, coming up, after they just saw everything that Jesus did there, they probably started thinking to themselves, why in the world are we listening to this guy? Why did we go out into the boat and he didn't come with us? We should have known when he didn't come, like we were in trouble. Like, he's setting us up for He wants us to sink. He wants us to die. He wants us to like, and have you ever noticed that anytime you take a step of faith, like immediately, there's like some fearful moments that always pop right up. There's like always this barrier that comes up. As soon as you take a step of faith, like all the haters are going to come out and tell you why you can't do that. And here's what I've learned is, is you can become bitter or better because of your fear. What happens for a lot of us is we end up becoming bitter because of our fear. What happens is, is we start getting into a situation and what we do, how we become bitter is we start focusing on our problems and our circumstances. We start complaining about them. We start, nah, 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 nah. and all it's doing is causing bitterness when the reality is, is if we want to get better, we got to take our focus off of our problems and put it on how big our God is. See, there's this, there's this mindset that has been put out there from the church, and I'm just going to apologize on a whole from the church because so many people believe that, like, man, if I am obedient to Jesus and do what he says, I'm never going to have any trouble in life. Like, my life is going to be rainbows and butterflies. Everything is going to be perfect. I'm never going to run into a storm. I'm never going to have obstacles. I'm never going to have anybody that's going to hate on me. I'm never going to, because Jesus is going to make everything perfect. And that's just flat out wrong. All you got to do is read this book and realize that a lot of people took steps of faith and they ran into trouble immediately. And so we got to get past this moment. And there are times that Jesus is going to lead you directly into the middle of a storm. And some of you are like, why, why, would a, why would a good and loving God let me walk right into the middle of a storm? It's because in the middle of the storm is when he finally gets your full attention. Because let's be honest, when things are going good in my life, you know how much I think about God? Very little. Now let's be honest about you. When things are going really good in your life, how much do you think about God? Very little. But when the crap hits the fan, anybody had the crap hit the fan before? Like 17 of us, okay. If it hasn't hit for you, it's coming. It's a forewarning right now. When it does, all of a sudden you go, Jesus, save me, help me. And all of a sudden, all of your attention is on God. And it's in that moment that all of a sudden God can mold you, God can shape you, God can direct you, God can begin to change you into the man or the woman that he has called you to be at your core. And it's in that moment that you can begin to know him in a different way than you've ever known him before. 
Because you're open in that moment, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your suffering, to go, God, I will do whatever, I'll say whatever. It's why so many of us are like, when we're in problems, Jesus, if you save me from this, I'll do anything for you, right? Anybody ever prayed that prayer? It's like the Hail Mary, I will do anything. (laughs) But over and over again, what God is trying to do is he's trying to get you to trust him. So anything God leads you to do will initially involve some level of fear. Number two, the greatest purposes of your life cannot be discovered while you're hiding. The greatest purposes of your life will never be discovered while you're hiding. Listen, the disciples, where they have, they're in a boat. And a boat for them represents their safety. It represents their security. It represents their comfortableness in life. These guys were fishermen. This is what they've known most of their life. In fact, when Jesus dies and, and is in the grave for three days, the majority of these guys go back to this profession because it's safety and it's comfortable and it's what they know. On the other hand, the waves are rough. The wind is violent. The storm is out there. And if you get out of the boat, Whatever your boat is, there is a chance that you might sink. And here's what I've learned. You can be hiding in life and surviving, but very seldom in life are you ever hiding and thriving in life. And a lot of us, we've been hiding in places that we find safety and security in. And God is always trying to get us to move out of that safe, comfortable place. And he's going, man, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Because if you don't ever get out of the boat, here's the thing I'll guarantee you. You will never walk on water. You'll never see that dream come to fruition. You'll never accomplish those goals. You'll never experience what God has called you to do. Get out of your boat. So let me ask you a question. What is your boat? What is your boat today? What is the thing in your life that represents your safety and your security that is apart from God himself? Your boat is whatever you turn to when things get rough, you always run back to it. For some of you, it could be your finances. Like, that's your safety and security. I'm going to go, I'm safe right here. For others of you, it's unhealthy relationships. Even though they're not good for you, it's what you've known. For some of you, it's some dream that has never come to fruition. For others of you, it's a job that you hate, but yet you know what you're going to get every day that you show up to it. And honestly, for most of us, the the boat isn't necessarily a bad thing or even a sinful thing. It's just the thing that's keeping you from living the adventure that God has called you to. Now, I know when I ask that question, you have a question within you. And here's the question that I even ask myself. How do I discern the difference between an authentic call of God to get out of my boat and my own rash impulse? And honestly, I don't have the exact answer to that. I wish I did, but I will tell you this. There is a fine line between don't be afraid and don't be an idiot. Like razor thin. And sometimes that's not always easy to identify. Like what is God's will? 
and what is just what I want. And here's what I would tell you. I, I rely on three things. Uh, one is wise counsel. Wise counsel. I didn't say counsel. I said wise counsel. Counsel is your friends. Don't listen to them. They don't know any better than you do. Wise counsel is somebody that's further ahead than you in life. Somebody that's already been there, done that, that maybe is in the place where you want to go. Maybe that's a good person to talk to. Don't listen to the person that's never done anything. They will destroy your dream before God ever has a chance to empower you to do it. Don't listen to people who have given up on their dream discourage you from yours. So you got to get around some wise counsel. It's one of the reasons why we tell you, get in a connect group, get in a connect group, get in a connect group, get around some wise people. Number, the, the most important thing I listen to is God's word. I listen, this book speaks if you'll open it up and start reading it. In fact, you'll start to believe for a whole lot more because it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You want to know what you're supposed to be doing? You start reading God's word. You start speaking it over your life. You start listening to it. All of a sudden, faith is going to rise up. And, and the haters, they're going to start to silence themselves in the, in the voice of a booming God in your life. Yeah. Third thing I listen to is, man, I, 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 get, I get down and I pray. Man, and the Holy Spirit speaks. But in my prayer time, that, you know what that means? That means I've got to be quiet enough to listen to him. I'm going to be quiet enough to silence the noise of this life. So I've got to turn off Twitter. I've got to turn off Instagram. I've got to turn off Facebook. I've got to turn off the kids. I've got to turn off the TV. I've got to turn off some things so I can hear the still small voice of God who's been speaking to me all along. And let me just say this just for some clarity for you guys. When I'm 100% God certain that God has spoken to me, what that really means is that I'm about 80% certain. That God has spoken to me, and I'm 20% fearful. And here's the problem for so many of us. We're waiting for 100% clarity that that's God's voice. The problem is, is that doesn't require faith. Some of you guys need to hear that again because you're like, no, I need to be 100% certain. You're never getting that. God is calling you to trust him. So what he's going to do is he's going to give you 90% certainty. He's going to say, hey, trust me 10%. And then when you trust him with that, he's going to go, hey, here's 80% clarity. And you're going to have to trust me with 20%. And as you grow in faith, he's going to give you less and less so he can build more and more trust. If you notice, I'm at 80%. I've got a long ways to go. But you got to start. Number three. This is so encouraging. Fear will never go away. It's <laughs> exactly what you all wanted to hear, right? Fear is never going to go away. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We just got spiritual. In fact, there used to be this really popular Christian bumper sticker uh, that, that was out there. Uh, back when I was growing up, there was this big brand called No Fear. Anybody remember No Fear back in the day? No Fear. It's like really manly. And so Christians hijacked it, and they came up with this. No Jesus, no fear. No Jesus, K-N-O-W. If you know Jesus, you're going to have no fear. And people grabbed hold of that. Yeah, yeah. The problem with that is they never read their Bible. Because I'm pretty sure the disciples knew Jesus way better than we did, and they were freaking out. 
Come on, let's be honest here. We're, we've bought into these. Oh, you're going you're gonna to have a fearless life. Not true. Read God's word. You're still going to be fear in your life. The question is, is are you going to allow fear to dictate in your life? The voice is going to be there. It's just, are you listening to it? Who are you going to listen to more? Whichever voice you listen to more is going to become most prevalent in your life. And so fear is always going to be there in life. I'll never forget, I was in, I was, uh, in uh, Victoria Falls, and I was getting ready to jump off the bridge in Victoria Falls to bungee jump. And because um, I like jumping off bridges in third world countries, it's a really safe thing to do in life. And, and I'm watching people, I'm like in this line, making my way. And, and as I get right, right next to where they're about to jump, there's a girl that's ahead of me and, and she's up on the edge and she is freaking out and she does not want to jump. And I see the guys just shove her off the bridge uh, to bungee jump, which is, that's what they do in third world countries, if you didn't know. And, and I look down, and I actually see that no Jesus, no fear sticker. And I thought to myself, well, I'm freaking out right now because I don't want somebody to push me off a bridge. And I know Jesus, and I'm afraid. So, like, I must be a failure. That's not true. You can know Jesus and still have fear. In fact, I believe that as you grow in your faith, you're going to become really, really familiar with fear. You're going to become familiar with it because it's going to pop its ugly head up all the time. Why? Because fear will never go away. Because every time you want to grow in life, every time you want to take new territory, every time you want to go and do something new in your life, it's going to require you to do something you've never done before. It's going to require you to go in the unknown. And in the unknown is always this thing called fear. Every time you want to grow, you're going to come face to face with fear. Because if you don't grow, what you're saying is, is I'm going to be complacent. I'm going to settle for mediocrity. Listen, if you don't want to have fear in your life, just live a mediocre life. That's how you have a fearless life. I think the greatest problem for Christ followers, for individuals all the time. The greatest thing that's keeping us from the potential that lies within us, the greatness that God has called us to, is just a good life. It's mediocre. Here's what I've learned, and I wrote it in your notes. Sphere and growth, they are a package deal. Because a decision to grow almost always involves a choice between risk and comfort. Always involves it. And if you don't risk, if you don't create some tension in your life, you're never going to grow. Number four, there are worse things than failure. In fact, why don't you repeat that with me on the count of three. Read this out loud. One, two, three. Okay, some of you were a little slow on that. 
but I need you to understand that. There are worse things than failure. I'm starting to, to age a little bit and reflect a little bit more on my life. And early on, I was terrified at failing. But as I'm getting older, I'm getting way more comfortable with failure. Like, I fail more today than I've ever failed in my life. But what I'm learning in failure is that failure isn't bad and failure isn't final. And some of you need to hear that today. Failure isn't bad and failure isn't final. Because what happens is we look at this story, the story of Peter, and what we end up doing is we end up focusing on the failure of Peter. We go, man, if you take your eyes off of Jesus, you are going to begin to sink in life, and, and you're going to end up a failure, which, which I guess is partly true. But you know what is a greater failure? There were actually 11 greater failures than Peter in this story. There are way greater failures. They were failures because they sat in the boat. And they failed quietly, and they failed privately, and their failure went unnoticed, it went unobserved, it went uncriticized. Only Peter got to experience the shame of public failure. And we've probably all experienced the shame of public failure, and it is difficult, and it stings, and it's hard to get over. But you know what keeps me up at night? What keeps me up at night isn't the moments that I tried something and failed. What keeps me up at night is the moments that I knew I should have done something and I didn't do anything. It's the moments that I look back on and go, man, I missed that moment. It's the moments that I stayed in the boat. And honestly, I hate to fail. Like, I love to win. Like, I am all about winning in everything. If you don't know anything about me, I'm hyper competitive. Like I looked at that top 100 list and I thought to myself, we were the sixth loser on that list. <laughs> I'm just serious. It's not that I feel fear failure. If I'm honest, what I really hate to see so I hate to see people see me fail. And the sad truth is, is sometimes I care more about pleasing people than I do pleasing God. It's what paralyzes me at times. And I just want to say this, man. If I want to live the life that God has called me to, I can't elevate the opinions of other people. So maybe that's what kept the 11 in the boat. Maybe it was the fear of failure. But I actually don't think it was that. In fact, I think it was this one thing. And this is just a little something extra for you. Because I think a lot of people are dealing with this today. I think it's one of the reasons a lot of people aren't getting out of the boat. And it's one word. And it's the word fatigue. One of the things that keeps me from taking risks in life is just physical and emotional exhaustion. Man, when I am tired, everything just looks worse. Man, when I'm tired, the storm seems bigger. 
when I'm tired, the world is coming to an end. In fact, Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. And so you think about this story. It was just before dawn when Jesus appears and they had been working all day on the mountain with him, feeding people, seeing miracles. And then they got in a boat and they've been fighting a storm all night. And I think that they were just, they were just flat out exhausted. And let me just say to you today, we're getting ready to have a holiday weekend tomorrow. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. I'm for real, our, our, our faith actually encourages us to rest, not during the sermon, but. <laughs> like it, it tells us the Sabbath. What does that mean? It means to not work, to not produce, to take a moment and rejuvenate in life. Because it's amazing how much better things look when you've got some rest. It's amazing how your courage just is reinvigorated because you're not tired. And so I want to encourage you today, man, get some rest. Back to this story because what these guys didn't understand that there are worse things than failure is, is Peter learned some things in this story. Because while they looked at this situation and they said, man, if, if, if we get out of the boat, there's a price to be paid. We're going to be mocked. We're going to be criticized. We're gonna, we're gonna, people are going to see us as a failure. See, what happens in life is every time we assess something, we always assess it from the negative aspect. If I do this, here are the consequences of what is going to happen. And, and those consequences are so great. Like that is too big of a price. But what we fail to realize, by not making that choice, there is a price to pay as well. And see, the price that these guys paid by not getting out of the boat is they missed out on two critical things that Peter only got to experience. Peter only knew the thrill of walking on water. He alone was the only one to attempt to do it. He was the only one that got to do it. He was the only one that got to experience the thrill of taking a step of faith and trusting God in an area where he didn't have the strength or the ability to do it and seeing God come into his life and do a miracle. And from that moment on, Peter's faith was changed. Peter's belief was changed. Like Peter walked into a, 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 a time and people are telling stories about God and he would just throw down the mic. He'd be like, I got a mic drop story. Listen, I walked on water. What you got? What's up? You know what that caused him to do every time God asked him to do something else? He's like, I already walked on water. What can't I do with God? And some of us need to do something so we can realize that, man, if God could do that in my life, imagine what he can do now. You know what else Peter got an experience that the other 11 never got to experience? Is he knew the glory of being lifted up by Jesus in a moment of desperate need. Peter knew in a way that the others never could that when he sank, man, Jesus was right there. He got in his hand. And I think that in that moment, Jesus was probably lifting them up, and they were looking eye to eye, and they had this moment. And as Jesus carried him to the boat, they were having this moment. In fact, if you look at Peter from this point on, his relationship with Jesus is different than every other disciple's relationship. Why? Because they had this moment. He, they knew, he knew Jesus like nobody else knew him. 
See, the worst failure is not to sink in the waves. The worst failure is to never get out of the boat. Number five, to truly follow Jesus, you've got to renounce comfort as the ultimate value of your life. Why risk it? I think there's so many reasons. It's, it's where real growth happens. It's how your faith is transformed. It's part of discovering God's purpose and plan for your life. And I think that those are great reasons to get out of your boat today. But there's one reason that trumps all of them. And that reason is this, is that Jesus is out in the water and you're in your boat. And I don't know about you, but I want to be where Jesus is. I might have safety and security here, but I've got power there. I've got life change there. I've got purpose there. I've got identity there. And for a lot of us, we're so worried about sinking that we haven't realized that it's when we get out of the boat that we know Jesus most. That's why it says in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 and 5, it says this. Throw it up there. When you pass through the waters, what did Jesus say? I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. See, the promise from God isn't that you won't fear. The promise from God isn't that your life will be free from troubles and worries and challenges. The promise from God is that he will be with you in the middle of your fear. So what are you waiting for? Maybe today you're in your boat and God is calling you to step out financially. Maybe he's calling you to go, you know what, it's time for you to not just trust me with your salvation, not just trust me with your kids, but maybe you need to trust me with every aspect of your life. Maybe you need to trust me in the financial realm of your life. What are you waiting for? Maybe others of you, God is calling you to have some movement in your life and, and he's been talking to you about your vocation right now. Maybe it's time for you to quit that job that you hate. Maybe it's time for you to start that business on the side that you've been talking about for years upon years upon years. What are you waiting for today? Maybe you're lonely out there today and you're going, man, God, I, I, I don't want to do life alone. And God's going, well, here's an opportunity for you to get involved in community. What are you waiting for? Maybe for some of you, as we're talking here, you, you've heard about a lot of rules and religion. And you've never heard about a relationship with a God who loves you and cares for you. He's actually been calling you and pursuing you. You've never found God. God's been running after you all along. And he's been tapping on your shoulder and he's been tugging on your heart. And he's going, hey, come, know me, be in a relationship with me. And I would ask you today, what are you waiting for? Maybe you're here and you've already gotten out of your boat. I'm here to encourage you today. Keep going. Because if you get out of your boat, you're going to face some problems. There are going to be some storms out there. And listen, your faith is not always going to be perfect. You will sink. But I know two things. That when you fail, Jesus is right there with you. And that every once in a while, when you take that step of faith, you might just... Walk on water. So what are you waiting for today? Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Hebrews 13, 5 said, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
And I believe what God wants you to know is whatever your boat is here today, whatever it is you're about to go through as you step out, there's no power on earth that can separate you from the love of our God. There's no moment that he ever abandons you, he ever forsakes you, he's ever not with you. In fact, he's already out in the water and he's calling you. He's saying, come. The question is, is will you answer? And I don't know what your boat is here today, but God is saying, listen, there's some, there's some safety that you need to let go of. So you can find the hope that I give. The life that I give. The future that I give. And maybe you're here today and you've never taken the first step of faith, which is recognizing that this God that we're talking about sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a sinless life, to pay a sinner's death, the death that every single one of us deserve because we, of our screw-ups, our mess-ups, our mistakes, our sins, who died a sinner's death. And rose again three days later so we could have life and have it more abundantly. Maybe today's the day you say, you know what, I'm going to get out of my boat and I'm going to step into God's boat. And make him not only my Lord, but my Savior. 